0: Monday morning and welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Dustin Hobbs, Communications Director here at the California MBA. This month, we're talking about uh, uh, capital markets, secondary markets, and investor issues. And we've got a great, uh, we've actually got two guests today. It's a little bit of a, a bonus episode of Connect today. We've got two great guests. And we're going to get into the conversation with them here in just one second. But before we do that, let's thank our sponsors over at Accelerate so if you're looking to close out more loans in 2021, you need to check out and Experience celebrate's award-winning customer engagement platform that features lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing. And that's text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and much, much more. And as we always say, again, make sure to follow Josh Friend on social media, particularly on LinkedIn. He's got a lot of great content they're pushing out all the time there. And uh, so it certainly behooves you to, uh, if you're wanting to make sure that you're in the know on what's going on in that uh, sector of the industry, make sure and follow Josh on uh, on LinkedIn. And if you want to make sure and get a, a personalized demo of Accelerate, you can go to Accelerate.com right now and schedule that yourself. All right. Before we jump into the conversation here, I just have a couple of quick announcements from the California NBA, a quick reminder about our mortgage innovators site. It's brand new. We just launched it at the innovators conference a few weeks ago. Uh, We've got well over 100 blog posts, we've got tons of white papers, ebooks, and a lot of great content we're adding there on a daily and weekly basis. So if you're in the industry, if you're wanting to know what's going on in any of the uh, uh, life cycles of the loan, any from origination to acquisition to uh, servicing capital markets and beyond make sure to go to mortgageinnovators.com, bookmark the site there we've got a lot of great uh, stuff coming out we actually have a new podcast we're gonna be releasing here in a uh, very soon and so make sure and uh, check that out and uh, again one other thing I want to mention is that uh, our Western Secondary Market Conference which is coming up here August 24th through the 26th in person again in uh, Dana Point California we're going to be opening up registration tomorrow. On Tuesday, the 15th, we'll be opening up registration for the in person Western Secondary Market Conference. So make sure and go to westernsecondary.com and you can register for the conference there. You'll have the early bird rate uh, discount available for the first 30 days. So make sure and do that again tomorrow. Registration will open for the Western Secondary. All right, let's jump into the conversation. I'm excited to welcome in our two guests today. Uh, Mike McCauley is partner with New View Advisors, and Jeff Birdsell is VP of Loan Programs at Reverse Vision. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, well, let's jump right into the uh, conversation here. Uh, first, let's uh, tell us about your backgrounds for those who don't, uh, who aren't familiar with you. you know, what got you into, in, interested in the industry? What led you to where you're at today? How'd you end up in the space you're in instead of the, uh, uh, you know, more of the more traditional forward mortgage space?
1: Well, as most of us did, I started out in the forward business. I have been in uh, the securitization business since the 1980s. And in the 1990s, at Lehman Brothers was part of an in-house department that was helping to vertically integrate the firm's mortgage business. Uh, We, Lehman, had just securitized then, this was 1999, the first um, non-agency, um private reverse mortgage securitization uh that we did for a company that jeff worked for at the time which is how he and i know each other back in the 1900s as i like to say a while
2: back <laughs> yeah
1: and uh so because we were looking to expand our mortgage footprint the opportunity was there for us to um acquire in the end three different companies which we did and put together in 2000 the largest reverse mortgage servicer and originator in the country, which uh, we about a 65% market share called Financial Freedom Senior Funding Corp. And uh, I managed that company for four years until Lehman Brothers decided to sell it. So during that time, we owned the company. We saw the heckam volume grow eightfold to still a relatively small number, but three and a half billion dollars. And we grew the non-agency business to, again, a high watermark for us at the time, hundred million dollars a month. So that, that was really my foray into the business and I've been in it ever since. Yeah, How about you, Jeff?
2: Yeah, uh, so I was actually first introduced to the reverse mortgage uh, industry back in 1992. Um, uh, I was with the company that actually created financial or started Financial Freedom again, which is how I met Mike. Um, since then I've worked with lenders and with a number of software companies that are developing applications to present, originate and close reverse mortgages. Uh, also been involved with the creation of some of the private loan programs and pricing of those. Um, from a from an involvement in the industry standpoint, uh, I was uh, one of the original board members in the Reverse Mortgage Trade Association back in the late '90s. And actually, with the MBA, I became a certified mortgage banker uh, back in 2006. So, so, you know, once I got in, I fell in love with the industry and the benefit that it provides to seniors. So I've I've been stuck in it and loving it ever since. So that's kind yeah. of my background.
0: Well, and between getting your CMB and and being on the board at uh, the uh, National Reverse Mortgage Lenders, I mean, you talk about you you dove in, you know, head first. And <laughs> really, all, like all in. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely all in. Yeah. So, well, let's uh, you know, we've got two guys here that are certainly as uh, plugged into the uh, reverse side of the industry as you could possibly get. So, you know, tell us just from maybe from a, a particularly from the investor perspective, how do reverse mortgages
1: differ from
0: the from traditional mortgage loans?
1: Well, first and foremost, and I think most people know this by now, reverse mortgages do not require principal or interest payments. So all interest, servicing, uh, any future line of credit draws and any other advances are added to the loan balance. Uh, Borrowers typically need to, certainly for the government product, need to be 62 years of age or older. They need to maintain their property and they need to uh, have that property as their primary residence. Uh, Loans mature, and they don't have a term they mature when the borrower dies or permanently moves out of the house
0: gotcha gotcha
1: um jeff do you have anything you want
0: to yeah
2: you add? yeah the, the 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 i think one of the thing that that confuses a lot of people is reverse mortgages are are they're really just traditional mortgages with a twist right you don't have to it's a mortgage you still have the security instruments and notes and disclosures it's it is a mortgage but with this particular mortgage, you don't have to make that principal and interest payment, but you actually can. There's a there's a whole segment of, of potential borrowers that are 62 and older that can afford to make payments, so they only go and get a traditional or a HELOC. They actually would be better served to get a reverse mortgage because... They can go ahead and make payments for you know two three four five years while they're still employed before they retire and then when they retire they can just simply stop making the payments so when they're making the payments they they will have the benefit of making principal and interest payments and then when they stop they can just simply stop making the payments or they can convert the line of credit that they've been building up um, into uh, a, into having the lender actually make them uh, make payments to them um there's uh, the other thing that's a little bit different is the underwriting, right? Because with a traditional mortgage, you're looking mostly at the credit, their ability to make the payment and pay down the the mortgage. With a reverse mortgage, because you're not required to make the payments, and most most borrowers don't, um, the underwriting doesn't focus on mostly on credit. Focus mostly on the home, the 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 collateral for that. So that's I mean that's the the biggest difference. But again, there's a huge potential for borrowers that can that want to make payments that can make it work like a traditional loan and then just not make a payment whenever they whenever they can't afford to or whenever they want to stop
0: yeah i think that's an
1: what? interesting point that oh go ahead mike no dustin i was going to just add that from the investor perspective and one of the reasons i've been attracted to the industry for so long um because we don't have because it's all event-based maturities we don't have a final maturity per se
2: yeah uh
1: it really allows for very highly predictive cash flow analytics uh, when we, and this is you know going down a rabbit hole, but when we did our uh, early securitizations at Lehman Brothers and predicted the prepayment speeds, which includes mortality, of course, over the life of those securitizations, and then look back uh, once those securitizations had been called, uh, the, we were extremely accurate, down to one or two loans for each of those bonds and, and uh, cash flows over time. So it's a very highly predictive cash flow, which really helps from an investor perspective. Plus, um, the other big difference between this product and the forward market is that uh, for any active loans, in other words, where the borrower is still alive and the loans not in default, at the time that the loan balance reaches ninety-eight percent of the, um, the value of the property, the, the loan and the servicing is assigned back to HUD um, because HUD has the insurance. HUD takes the risk, and so the logic is that they should manage that the end of life for that loan, and so. Um, it you know it it kind of cuts short the cash flows and and kind of helps predict that the uh, the, the final uh, maturity for those uh, cash flows. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. So I mean, from the investor perspective, I mean, continuing on that thought, there, uh, Mike, what's the inherent value of reverse mortgage loans and securities in in uh, in particular?
1: Well, I mean, it's uh, having an event-based maturity, obviously, as I was just explaining, uh, helps. There's that no extension risk. Uh, These loans are positively convex. Uh, They have much less prepayment risk. It's not as much an interest rate-sensitive mortgage um, because it's it's driven by other variables, not just interest rates, primarily proceeds, although I will say in fairness to the industry that has been changing over the last couple of years um and then obviously the, the spread over other and the, the Ginnie Mae guarantee and the Ginnie may wrap for the hmbs security um it really makes it somewhat of a unique uh, instrument in, in the fixed income, fixed income world Jeff, yep, do you I have think, a, do you uh, you i would just add month though month? you know yeah. as an hmbs issuer um and and the industry does get a bit of a bad rap for high cost to originate there's some truth to that um but once a loan is originated, uh, the borrower has the ability, obviously, to draw down the, the remaining line of credit over time. Those future draws can also be securitized in what the industry calls tails. And those tails are effectively um, issued at par. And so that that helps mitigate some of those uh, initial high costs to originate because all of those subsequent draws are, are taken out over time, sometimes after uh, one year, sometimes over the life of the security. Or life of the loan, but uh, they're taken out over time. And that, that really allows uh, borrow, uh, HMBS issuers to kind of average out their overall cost to originate.
2: Yeah. And that, that was one of the, the keys when when Jenny put together this structure is they recognized that uh, in these loans, typically all the funds aren't drawn up front. So what do you do with all of the future draws, the tails, uh, like Mike said, what do you do with those? And they created this structure that allows you to put a, initial draws um, into, a, into one security, and then as tails build up, you can actually take those tails and put them into another security instrument. You can even combine them. You can, you can take all of your origination volume that you have and then look at all of the tails or all of the, all of the after-closing advances that you've made and build them into the next security, so that you always have a, a means, as your funding loans and borrowers are taking out more funds, you always have a means to securitize those. Which means, actually, if you think about it, you could have one loan that um, is involved with or has pieces of it in multiple different securities. But it was a great design by by Jenny May to come up with a way to to make this work. So it was it was it was huge, and there's a lot of value, you know, in those tales as well. So, correct.
1: And that we've all, uh, Dustin, just add, we, we've been at, um, talking only about the HMBS, the government program. There is also a segment of the market that is a non-agency, uh, private, uh,
2: yeah.
1: uh, proprietary reverse mortgages. And those loans um, fit well into senior subordinate securities. So um, very similar performance, other than the fact that there's no assignment mechanism back to HUD and, and uh, also event-based maturity. So same same concept as before. Very uh, very accurately able to manage and model the the uh, cash flows and predict outcome returns.
0: Gotcha. So returning to Ginny uh, May for a second, I mean, is there is there any significance that Ginny uh, May has got thirteen
1: approved uh, HMBS issuers? Uh, The short answer is no. I mean, first of all, the the top five HMBS issuers account for more than almost 96% of the uh, total HMBS outstanding. So it's a little bit of a misnomer. Those other eight um, HMBS issuers are either very small or some even have portfolios where there's no new originations. And as Jeff was speaking to a minute ago, are just issuing uh, remaining draws from borrowers uh, drawing down their LOC. So just issuing tails. Um, however, Ginny Mae, you know, provided that borrowers meet the capital, requ- I mean, excuse me, HMBS issuers can meet the capital requirements and, and Ginny Mae's other requirements. I believe heck second volume increases that there will be more, uh, HMBS issuers over time. So, um, I, I think in general, you know, there's, there, there's no, no problem with having 13.
2: Yeah. And what, what, the other thing is, as Mike mentioned, uh, uh earlier, you, uh, um, that when these loans reach ninety eight percent right of the home value um, they're bought out of the security which means the lender that is the approved issuer needs to have the funds to 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 buy that back and then they can turn around and, and sell it to uh, sell it to HUD um, like they do but there are some instances where maybe there's a delay before they can sell it uh, to HUD for some reason so the financial strength of the issuer has to be able to to deal with that in transaction of you know, paying it out of the security, and then issuing, and then turning around and, and selling and directioning it to HUD. So, gotcha.
1: and I would also add too that um, while that assignment mechanism works for loans that are active, if a, a borrower is in default or a borrower has passed away prior to that assignment threshold, those long loans are not assigned to HUD. In that case, the HMBS issuer is responsible for managing that loan. Uh, and the borrower uh, all the way through foreclosure. So HMBS issuance is not without risk. Gotcha.
0: Well, let's uh, switch gears here for a second. So from the lender perspective, do, you know, from your point of view, do lenders need specialized secondary marketing staff resources or technology in order to sell HECMs and proprietary reverse mortgage loans on the secondary market?
1: I mean, I, I would echo Jeff's earlier comment. In many ways, the, the, Reverse mortgage market's not that different from the for, what we call the forward market. The loans are originated, they're bundled, there's an often an aggregator, they're ultimately wrapped with the Gini May guarantee, and they're sold yeah. into the marketplace. I mean, obviously, uh, proper analytics greatly help understand the inherent value of the loan and, and the HMBS security. Um, for any large um, forward mortgage originator who has access to Intex and Bloomberg, I'm sure those are, tools are available there. Our company, View Advisors, has a platform called evaluator that we use to generate uh, yield tables and discount margin tables so um, there are there are plenty of analytics out there that can be used but uh, apart from learning the idiosyncrasies of the our industry and there are many I, I would say uh, I don't I think you have to still climb a learning curve around the specifics to our industry and in the final analysis anybody any entity that's large enough to have a, a meaningful forward business is going to have the infrastructure in place to be able to become an HMBS issuer and, and originate reverse mortgages over time. I don't know, if Jeff, if you have a different perspective on that.
2: No, no, that's, you're, you're correct. Just yeah. a
1: matter of learning new, uh, new acronyms, huh? A lot <laughs> of new terminology. That's exactly right. New acronyms.
2: Yes. Yeah. And understanding how, what the products really are and how they really work, getting rid of those misconceptions misconceptions of the reverse mortgages so that 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 helps as well
0: right well speaking of that jeff i mean you know sort of a, a, a elephant in the room question here why don't more homeowners take out reverse mortgages
2: um th- there's a couple of things one the the industry was really created and designed around helping borrowers senior borrowers that are kind of a needs based meaning they they might not have enough for retirement, they might be struggling to afford their, their their monthly expenses and they've got this mortgage payment and everything else. So you can use this as a means to help those people that might not be able to qualify for a traditional mortgage because of the income requirements. Um, and that's basically the way it's been sold and that's how it's built basically the way that it is today. But like I mentioned earlier, and it's worth saying again, There's a whole market for these and a benefit for these for people that actually can afford to make payments, that can afford or that can qualify for a traditional mortgage or HELOC. Um, If you combine a reverse mortgage as, as a financial tool in addition to your retirement portfolio, you can do things like draw from your retirement portfolio when it's up, but if the market dips, you leave it alone and then you can make draws from your reverse mortgage and you can better time the right place to, to provide that monthly cash for you. So there's a whole benefit to, to actually, um, getting the reverse and selling it to people that are 62 that are looking for a traditional mortgage that maybe don't know that this might be a better plan. You can make the payments for as long as you want so you get all those benefits. And then when things happen, like maybe in December, I wanna skip that payment and buy gifts for my grandkids. Um, At some point I'm gonna retire and so I I wanna cut that out of my monthly cost. They can just stop making payments. The other neat thing about this, instead of a tradition or a HELOC, is um, it doesn't change the liquidity standpoint of your cash. So when I when I get when I write a payment to my reverse mortgage, like the the adjustable HECM for example, that money goes and is now available in my line of credit. So I can get it right back if I need to. So I'm not losing liquidity, but still getting the benefits of making the payment and seeing the equity go down and and making the interest payment. So there's all kinds of things. It's just completely and totally flexible for borrowers that are 62 that are approaching or their you know life is going to change you know in the future and this mortgage just just will simply follow whatever works best for you and you don't have to refinance in order to if your situation changes so it's there's a huge volume of people 62 and older that are getting traditional mortgages um that have not been exposed to or understand reverse mortgages if um if new or traditional loan originators kind of understand the benefits of this then it, it ends up being a win-win for both lenders and borrowers right because of the the value that the mortgage is on the secondary and the value that it is for borrowers um you know the reverse mortgages are really not right for everyone but neither are traditional mortgages or HELOCs. so
1: yeah the one point i would add to that jeff is that uh if a borrower Thinks they may be moving from their house in the, in the short term, in a handful of years, two, three, four years. That would be a reason to look more carefully at whether it makes sense, only because there are fairly high upfront costs of issuance, including the mortgage insurance premium that HUD requires yeah. for its guarantee. So that would be one caveat. Um, but the 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 other answer to your um, question really is. The industry has suffered from misconceptions for the 21 years that I've been in it. And I think it's just this ongoing education that we all have a responsibility to kind of continue to teach and overcome kind of yeah. these, these misconceptions of the product, including, I will say, so there were some early products that had design flaws and it was 25, even 30 years ago uh, before my time in the industry, but some of those um, perceptions still linger.
0: Yeah, sure. You know, it makes sense. But I mean, as a uh, you know, father, uh, three of my four kids have uh, birthdays in December. So I can absolutely appreciate <laughs> the, uh, the flexibility and uh, being able to hold off on a payment in, <laughs> in a specific month. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, let's, uh, you know, uh, switch gears here again a little bit and go from the lender's perspective. So some lenders offer proprietary reverse mortgage products. How does that work? What's the, you know, maybe the historical experience in this arena and how, what should potential investors know?
1: Well, proprietary reverse mortgages act very much like the HECM with the exception that because it's self-insured, the LTV is traditionally lower than the than the HACM LTV curve. Um, they They also are are event-based maturities, uh, and they really do perform very much the same way uh, depending on the specifics of the originator. Uh, and And the securitization market has also been very successful. Uh, At Lehman Brothers, as I mentioned at the outset, uh, we did a handful, five securitizations during the five years or so that we owned, Financial Freedom, um, and we were able to track the performance of all of those securities. It was called the SASCO program. Uh, Investors still know that name today. Uh, So we were able to track the performance in our capacity at Newview Advisors, and uh, the the bonds all performed extremely well. There were absolutely no write-downs, no realized losses on any of those non-agency securitizations, despite the Great Recession of 2008 to 2011. So there's this, there's a, a body of data that was instrumental, frankly, in helping the industry restart the non-agency product um, post the Great Recession in 2012, 13, and 14. My business partner, Joe Kelly, while we were at Lehman Brothers, designed almost all of the products that were in the marketplace in the late 90s and early 2000s and so we've been able to track all of that data and use that skill set to reintroduce the non-agency products that are in the market today.
2: Mike and his team were, were pretty much the pioneers in this space and, and put together uh, with Joe, put together the first reverse mortgage uh, securitization. Right. So.
1: Yep. And the key frankly was that the rating agencies it was a new asset class for the rating agencies they wanted to be conservative and they built in a, a 30 plus percent drop in home price appreciation at time zero so we were able to withstand that exact scenario when it happened uh, in 2008 9 10 11. and because of that um you know I, you know we're very proud of the of the performance of those securities today. Um, there are, in fact, there was this transaction that just priced last week since 2017, you know, give or take, there probably been about 25 securitizations, which I know these are all small numbers for the forward industry. But for our industry, it really represents uh, dramatic growth and, uh, you know, very exciting future for kind of the and more even blend of non-agency and agency product over time. So it's been a it's been a very good story for us.
0: Yeah, it sounds like there's, I mean, again, you, you both mentioned it, it the, the opportunity out there, and it seems like, yeah, I mean, if you're, you know, compared to the forward industry, there certainly is uh, room to grow. But, I mean, that's where their growth is going to be. I mean, we, you know, everyone knows, everyone's seen the numbers from the NBA. I mean, uh, origination numbers are certainly going to be lower this year and likely lower next year than they were in 2020 when, you know, everyone had a great year. Um, so, maybe looking forward here in the next, you know, six to 12 months, what's on the horizon for uh, uh, the side
1: of the industry? Well, uh, I mean, first I'd say the pandemic was probably a net positive for our industry. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: for the for those borrowers sitting on the fence, trying to decide between aging in place and and mo- moving to a nursing home, which is obviously a, a very logical decision later in life, that that was taken off the table. Uh, with the nursing home struggling to contain the coronavirus, uh, and the the more immediate need to uh, access equ- equity in their homes for you know emergencies like the the pandemic um it really has put our industry back on the map and the product i think in a much better place for for growth um along with the pandemic as as this uh, audience knows well the precipitous fall in interest rates um never mind the rising home values that we've been watching has allowed borrowers to take out um and provi- get uh, more proceeds from the the product so we're we're in a very positive um, loop uh reinforcement loop right now with the with the product and we're seeing frankly a record volume at least from an hmbs perspective mm-hmm. our previous record well last year we had 10.6 billion again small by forward industry standard but um for us a record we're on track today to issue 12 billion dollars uh for our industry so we're, we're seeing some reasonable growth
2: yeah and I'll, I'm going to jump back one second to the proprietary reverse mortgage. Uh one thing to think about there is the the Heckam has its lending limit, you know, a little over 800,000. We'll only look at home values of that or less. Uh, the proprietaries don't have that same limitation, right? So they can they can look at the the areas of the country that have typical homes that are that are greater than that, a million dollars, 2 million dollars, uh, that type of thing. So that gives opportunities with people with the, with the larger home values to have an option as well. Uh, in addition to the HECM. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Right. Oh, and I, it's
1: not just the jumbo market, Dustin. the No, not at all. Uh, a borrower that does, let's say only has a specific need that doesn't want to have to pay the, the upfront mortgage insurance premium that HUD requires for the home value, but only needs to take out a certain amount, then, then a HECM might not make sense. So it's not only about, um, you know, home size and home value. It really That's can correct. be specific. There are also condo projects that may not qualify for HUD that that are eligible for non-agency. So there are a number of scenarios. That's why we don't like to call it a jumbo program. We really prefer calling it proprietary uh, because there are a number of, of needs uh, away from Heckam that it satisfies
2: yeah and and they've designed proprietary reverse mortgages that have line of credit options that are available. They don't work quite the same as as the heckas but or or a monthly payment option so they 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 give you some of those similar options that you can get with the heamamas too as well yeah
1: we were before the pandemic um our industry was excited this is so we're January of twenty twenty the talk of the town was twenty twenty was going to be the year when dollar volume non agency exceeded HECM volume for the first time. That was really what we were expecting during the course of 2020. So, pandemic um, slowed that progress down, but we're we're seeing good volume back now. As I mentioned earlier, um, I think uh, lenders are excited that uh, that that market has returned, and we expect to see several more securitizations uh, in the summer and fall.
2: Yeah,
1: makes
0: sense. And again, I think it goes back to you guys. Have, you know, touched on it, but the flexibility. I mean, everyone's situation is different. I mean, whether you're in a in a home that, where you're in a, an area. I mean, the area where I live in. I mean, the uh, home values have just gone through the roof. And so people who had, you know, a $500,000 house and would have qualified under the uh, uh, GINI program, now, I mean, their house may be eight or 900,000. And now they're, you know, they, now that the, the uh, proprietary programs would be perfect for them, but I mean, they wouldn't have considered themselves. They're not living in a in Malibu or something like that, where it's, you know, traditionally yeah. high, high uh, um, home value area. Very true. Yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's close out here. We got time for one more question here before we uh, before we head out. Um, But so just looking at the advocacy uh, work of organizations like the California MBA, the MBA and the uh, National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association. Why is it crucial for lenders to support that the work of uh, those groups?
1: Well, I mean, I think supporting trade associations as educational resources and policy advocates and public affairs centers is integral to any successful industry. Uh, like with Jeff, I'm I'm on the the Normala board and the executive committee, and I know for a fact our industry cannot exist without uh, a group such as Normala and the MBA. It, it's critical. I mean, we have to centralize relationships uh, with with HUD and FHA. Ginny may we're lobbying Congress. We're managing uh, legis- various legislative bodies, consumer advocacy groups. Uh, there are there are legal and state legislative issues that arise that we need to manage never mind the, the traditional educational and marketing events and the conferences. And and it's a it's a single voice for the industry. And and all of those facts lead up to making it critical for the success, certainly of the reverse mortgage industry and I'm I'm sure all industries.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh the 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 education perspective of them, you know, from, from uh what we've done at the National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association um is not just trying to figure out better ways to educate homeowners but how do you educate the financial planner community how do you educate new people as they come on board in in congress and they don't really understand reverse mortgages so there's a whole huge component of education with with that these trade associations do and help with to make sure that people are educated and get rid of those misconceptions of the reverse mortgages and can can better understand them so it's they're absolutely as Mike said critical to the the business, to keeping uh, Congress and everything aware of what's going on, and to continue to provide this benefit to seniors.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a great point, Jeff. And I mean, even you know, in California or in uh, D.C., I mean, you have a lot of lawmakers and policymakers who don't have even have a good understanding of how the forward business works, much less the reverse. Uh, that's
2: that's right. correct. Yeah, but yeah, I think
0: the education is even more crucial than. Uh, and I mean, I w- would have said I've never said this to another guest, but you know, the uh, the education is even more important in your particular sector, the industry, right. than, you know, just the traditional mortgage uh, uh, market. So
1: you guys yeah. have certainly
0: got your, your work cut out for you at uh, the uh, National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association.
1: We do. Yep. Yeah.
0: So, Mike, Jeff, thanks again for uh, joining us here on Connect. It's been great to uh, chat with you guys. Uh, there's a lot of good content and uh, education for our industry here. And uh, so thanks again for joining us. Yeah.
2: Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much. Got about.
0: it. And so, if you enjoyed the conversation, make sure and subscribe to us here on our YouTube channel. You can also find us on Spotify, on SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And uh, make sure Western Secondary uh, Market uh, registration opens tomorrow. So, go to westernsecondary.com, bookmark the site, head over there tomorrow, and registration will be open. Otherwise, we will see you next week on Monday morning for another episode of Connect. We'll see you then. Here we go.